Today on Laura Lynn and Friends. The plan is to dehumanize us, to transhumanize us, to leave a very few number of us alive who have been corrupted, literally corrupted from the DNA outward. And every aspect of society will be built around servitude instead of love. Well, hello everyone and welcome to the beginning of the last days. My name is Laura Lynn Tyler Thompson and that was a pretty sad opening, but I'll tell you something. We have had some good news lately and that is that we're pushing back on the agendas of those that mean us tremendous harm and ill will. And uh, we've had a few guests that are showing that there's some things being done. There's some knowledge that's out there. Uh, guests like uh, that, that we have on today are able to kind of share information with us so that we're smarter and we're less likely to fall into their evil pit. So stay with us for that coming right up. Um, you know that I love to read from my dad's Bible. My dad passed away two years ago, and I absolutely love looking for the gems that he thought was important, and I only ever read what he underlined. Today I went to um, Psalms, so I guess we're in Psalms 119 because it's very, very long, um, and in verse 165, he underlined this, Great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. Wow. Great peace have they which love thy law. Nothing will offend them. I wonder what it means. I'm going to have to research the context for nothing shall offend them because I'm, I'm offended every single day. <laughs> I really am. I read all those news articles and I read what they're doing and I, I read about the plans and about UN Agenda 2030 and I am very highly, highly offended. I don't know if I'm doing something wrong. I don't think I am. I think that there's a context there and I, I want to look into that. And that's what, you know, opening the word does do for you uh, is it. It, it helps you to gain wisdom. I'm also very excited because guess what? Christmas came early at the Thompson household, uh, but not from my beloved husband, but rather from one of you, my dear viewers. A lady named Melissa knows how much I love the word, and she got me the Expositor's Study Bible Ladies Edition. Ladies XX chrome, Chromosome Edition. So... <laughs> So I got this amazing Bible. It's full of uh, red letter, um, you know, notations and words. And I've, I've already been like, you know, going into it and having a look at, at everything that's in there. I'm so excited. I just want to thank you, Melissa, for caring about me and for uh, sending me a gift that you knew I would love. It's leather. It's leather. I, I love it. So I'm pretty happy. Um, before we get into really damaging um, materials that are going to hurt our brain and as well inform us so that we know what to do next, uh, let me tell you briefly about last night because this last weekend I experienced a miracle. And uh, if we could put on that music on the side there, I kind of, I want to show you something amazing happening and that is here that I don't know if you can jump ahead on the timeline at all. Are you able? Oh, maybe you don't have to. I want you to know something, what's going on here. Let me explain to you. So at Westwood Community Church, an amazing church uh, with my dear friend and pastor, uh, he's, he's Jewish, Italian, and uh, uh, Pastor Giulio Gabelli has something just terrific going on. They are blessing the Iranians this Christmas. And uh, they are blessing Muslims. They are opening their doors, their hearts, and their love 
to blessing those that have come and from Afghanistan. So last night, filling the house was about, uh, I think, you know, three to four hundred um, uh, people from, you know, all different parts of the world. So they started out, they, they sang uh, this Jewish um, song. And then look at this. This is uh, Saeed. And he begins speaking, uh, singing, sorry, in um, Farsi. And so can we go full screen and turn that up just a bit? Just listen for 10 seconds. This is unheard of. The Jews, the Iranians and the Afghanistans in the same room singing. in this amazing service that I was so blessed to participate with my dear friend uh, Marilyn Jones. She's with Sid Roth Ministries and they came here and they took uh, they took their resources, time, effort to bless and they called this event Peace on Earth and they invited Muslims into a church and they said we're going to bless you. New immigrants that are here, those that have been here for a while, uh, many struggling, many looking for community, feeling very far away from home, very sad at what's going on in the Middle East. And they said, will you come in and we're going to bless you with a food hamper and gift certificates and a beautiful concert in Farsi and in the Jewish language. And they did it all together. And at the end of the night, they let them know about who Jesus was. And uh, many of them about a hundred, I don't know, 100, 150 came up to the front and just wanted to know more about Jesus. And um, I'm just kind of wondering if this is part of that solution. Can you go big on that and just turn it up? And I'm just gonna be quiet, 10 more seconds. Watch this. The three flags there, you've got the uh, Israeli flag, the Canadian flag, and a flag from the Middle East. Uh, I think that's Iran. And um, anyway, something beautiful happened last night and it changed me inside. It changed my heart, it helped me to see what's important and how we get through. And uh, interestingly, um, Albert Einstein, do you know that he talked about the bomb of love? Um, somebody sent this to me, one of you incredible people sent me this bomb of love that Albert Einstein wrote to his daughter about this amazing thing he called. I'll, I'll get it up so that I can read it at the end of the show. Um, 
we have something else going on. We have a force of evil happening in the world, and that is some people who have ideas about what should happen to humanity and how we should be treated and I would dare say disrespected and our lives not revered and certainly not loved. There's a woman, her name is Dr. Rima Lebo, and uh, she is a graduate of, ironically, I just put this together after I mentioned Albert Einstein, but of the Albert Einstein College of Medicine in 1970, and she believes passionately in the right of every person everywhere to choose their own health paths. She's practiced drug-free natural medicine for 50 years by seeking the underlying cause of every illness, ailment, and treatment uh, to that root cause. She's the medical director of Natural Solutions Foundation, and I just want to welcome you, Dr. Rima, to the show. You have uh, a lot to say about what the United Nations, the WHO, supposedly who say that they're for our benefit and our good medical practices, uh, you speak about genocide. You speak about these um, organizations being somewhere we need to get out of ASAP. Absolutely. And I, I must say, I was so deeply touched by the small clip that you showed that was absolutely exquisite. So instead of starting with the evil that is upon us, I'd like to read uh, the contents. It's very brief of my newsletter. We have a newsletter that we send out um, on a fairly frequent basis. Um, I am Jewish and I was really touched by the ecumenical beauty that you were sharing with us and the purpose of that beauty, which is sharing love. Mm. So I'd like to read, if I may, what Please. I just sent out to about 150,000 people. Hanukkah, the Jewish festival of light, is celebrated on Kislev 25, that's the month, by Jews around the world. It celebrates freedom of conscience, of religion, of thought. It is especially appropriate for those of us everywhere, from every culture, from every religion, to join with the Maccabees who led the rebellion necessary to preserve that freedom two millennia ago. Regardless of your nation or your religion, and what you showed us was such a beautiful example of that, if you are part of the struggle for freedom from the globalist death machine, I would, I would like to invite freedom lovers and freedom seekers everywhere to become Maccabees. Maccabee means hammer in Hebrew. When the Seleucid king Antiochus IV Epiphanes, who reigned from 175 to 164 before the Common Era, invaded Judea and tried to Hellenize the Jews, requiring pagan worship, Mattathias Maccabee, along with his son Judah, led a three-year rebellion. Once they had driven the forces of King Antiochus IV out of Judea, their most important task was to rededicate the second temple, which required igniting the eternal flame. Purification of that oil for that most important lamp required eight days, but there was only enough oil for one day. They decided to light the eternal flame anyway, and the second temple was rededicated on Kislev 25, 164 BC. We are fighting the same battle now. The forces of Antiochus have been replaced by the forces of Schwab and company. 
Antiochus wanted to Hellenize his subjects. Schwab and company want to transhumanize us. The enslavement is the same, although the technology is different. We, like the Maccabees, ask if we are not for ourselves, who will be for us? If not now, when? And the truth is that there will be no when if we do not succeed now. That is so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And um, our sentiment uh, is uh, with, and our love is with the Jews at this time. And uh, if, if you know anything about my show, we've been covering uh, what has happened, the, the tragedy of October 7th and the fallout since then, and uh, the, the very difficult situation that is now going on there that is also affecting the world. And so... Which which serves the globalist purpose to make us hate each other, to make us kill each other, to make us distrust each other so that they have less work to do to subjugate us. Absolutely, it really does. And uh, I did find that uh, considering that you are um, from the um, Albert Einstein um, College of Medicine, uh, here we have... If you have it there, JT, let's create it. The bomb of love is what Albert Einstein uh, put up. And this lady uh, did a little writing about it. And, you know, one of the things I don't, I maybe won't um, take the, you know, the time to read the whole thing, but he says, um, when I proposed the theory of relativity, he says, very few understood me. And what I will reveal now to transmit to mankind will also collide with the misunderstanding, the prejudice in the world. I ask you to guard the letters as long as necessary, years, decades, until society is advanced enough to accept what I will explain below. Wow. So here's Albert Einstein saying, I've already told you a lot of stuff, theory of relativity and all of that, but guess what? I got something really important I got to share with you. There is an extremely powerful force that so far science has not found a formal explanation to. It is a force that includes and governs all others, and it is even behind the phenomenon operating in the universe and has not yet been identified by us. The universal force is love. He goes on to talk about love is God and God is love. And this force explains everything and gives meaning to life. And if that isn't the truth, and um, so uh, it, it's really difficult, Dr. Rima, as we hear, you know, very hard things about the elites, about the globalists, about people who do not have love in their hearts for us. Our challenge is to have a perspective that helps us to stay loving, but to be very aware of what's happening so that we are not found uh, unprepared for what is coming. And that's where you come in. And I would love to hear you just tell us about what you've been uncovering and sort of your journey to bring awareness. Thank you. One of the, and this again is absolutely not where I thought we would be uh, focusing our talk, and yet it is the most essential thing we can talk about. I am, by postgraduate training, after I graduated from medical school, a child and adolescent and adult psychiatrist, I'm a psychoanalyst, um, and I'm trained in environmental medicine and nutritional medicine and a whole bunch of other stuff, and I have practiced drug-free medicine and psychiatry for 
a very long time. And I've also been a political activist for a very long time because I think it's essential that we take our responsibility into the wider sphere beyond our professional and personal lives. Um, and also, I can't stop making trouble. It just is who I am. So one of the things that is happening fundamentally in the global attempt to dominate every aspect of our lives, which is designed to destroy us, the predatory philanthropists, starting with Rockefeller accumulating his friends, the Astors and uh, the Vanderbilts and the, the others, uh, use oh. their resources. Well, Soros and Gates are just the latest iteration of mm -hmm. these predatory monsters. They, this goes back to before the 20th century, the turn of the 20th century. Rockefeller was the first billionaire that the world had ever seen, wealthier than the Rothschilds, by the way. And he said, oh, this eugenic stuff that Francis Galton is bringing out of Stanford University, I love that stuff. Let's do this. Let's restructure the entire world. Does that sound Gatesian? But he has predecessors that went back. At that time, they were not called globalists. They were called Fabian socialists. George Bernard Shaw was one. Um, uh, Bertrand Russell was one, Algis Huxley was one, Margaret Sanger was one. And if you know anything about these guys, mm -hmm. yes, if you know about these guys and gals, you know that they wanted to reduce the population. They wanted to change humanity into their image, acting, if you will, as gods. And they funded Hitler, they funded the whole, quote, science of eugenics. Um, Margaret Sanger, as we know, created Planned Parenthood in order to, quote, eliminate the Negro race. These are evil, evil monsters, wealthy, powerful, articulate, intelligent, evil people. Well, they decided, because they had all the money in the world and lots of time, they had the long view, they decided that they needed to destroy every single compartment that comprises human society. Many people know about what they did in health, but they also did the same thing in governance through the Laura Stedman Memorial um, uh, Fund to create the Institute on the Council on Foreign Relations, the Club of Rome, uh, foreign relations schools around the world and universities and so on, creating modern governance practices, which has something to do with why in 1992, the good governance persons that they had installed, very much like the World Economic Forum does with its young leaders program, including Putin, by the way, um, they all sent representatives to uh, a meeting and agreed on Agenda 21, which is the absolute utter destruction of society, human rights, national states, and so on. And they upped that in 2015, introduced by Pope Francis, by the way, at the General Assembly into Agenda 2030. And the evils that are rolling forth from that with SOGI 123 in Canada and with the destruction of property rights and so on. It's all about destroying the capacity of individuals to love, to trust, and to know what is right, what is real, and what is human. As a child psychiatrist, I understand uh, that 
the basic task of a baby is to develop a true self. And they do that through a loving, trusting relationship, usually with mother first, but with the, the human being with whom they develop the deepest bond. And then that expands out into uh, advanced levels of thinking and uh, compassion for others and uh, spiritual connection and so on, a full, uh, well-developed human being. But the plan is to dehumanize us, to transhumanize us, to leave a very few number of us alive who have been corrupted, literally corrupted from the DNA outward. And every aspect of society will be built around servitude instead of love. Not service, but servitude. It's kind of a big difference. So these are bad dudes. Now, a lot of people say, well, it's aliens. Well, it's the devil. Well, it's this. Okay, maybe. I don't know. But what I do know is that these are bad human dudes. And they have been given vast amounts of power to destroy us. So we, I have, uh, I closed my practice, although I still do consultations. I closed my full-time practice in 2004 with my beautiful, brilliant, marvelous husband, uh, Major General Albert N. Stubblebein III, who was assassinated for the work that we do. And um, so far, they haven't been as good at killing me, although they've tried a number of times. Um, and this, this work is about every single person on the planet having the freedom and the opportunity to live as they wish to live. Well, right now, and so uh, we created the Natural Solutions Foundation. And for the last couple of years, I have been spending about 20 hours a day um, working as hard as I can to help as many countries as possible exit the death machine. The death machine, Laura Lynn, is a, a, a death star coming over the horizon and it's already over the horizon and it's raining down death um, uh, systems upon us. So we have to get out from under it. There's no temporizing with it. There's no modifying it. You can't make the WHO better. You can't make the United Nations better. And by the way, it's very interesting. If you read the charter of the United Nations, there is no provision for peace. It's only about war. And if you read the charter for the World Health misnamed, I believe it should be called the World Holocaust Organization. If you read the WHO's charter, you find that it's all about control. None of this has anything to do with the fancy words that they use. Sustainability means destruction. And this is really hard for people to wrap their minds and hearts around. What they want is for us to die. What we want is for us to thrive. So our, our goals are entirely different. And they have, how do I know this? I didn't get this psychically or spiritually. I read their documents, all of their documents that I could get my hands on while I was 
familiarizing myself. And I see that the robes that they have draped themselves in of compassion and love and humanity and humanitarianism and peacekeeping and refugee support and so on, those robes are shiny and beautiful, but underneath they are a whited sepulcher filled with death, destruction, and corruption focused on killing as many of us as possible, that's called depopulation, and using bioweapons. We know now through the excellent work of Sasha Latipova and Catherine Watt and uh, a number of other very, very fine researchers, and we have, we have the great work of James Roguski, and we know from lots of good people doing lots of good research that, for instance, the COVID, quote, vaccine is a bioweapon that was developed by and through the, the active agency, the United States Department of Defense, DARPA, the Defense Threat Reduction Agency. It's designed to kill us, and it's doing that. We are in the middle of a holocaust. And years ago, there was a, an advertising campaign for Levy's Rye Bread in New York when I was living there that said, you don't have to be Jewish you know, to love Levy's rye bread. You don't have to be Jewish to be in a Holocaust. Everybody is in this Holocaust right now. Excellent statisticians, and you know this, Laura Lynn, and I'm sure you've talked about this. Excellent biostatisticians have looked at the excess mortality data, and they have come from different viewpoints, from different data sets. They've come to the same conclusion. Approximately 20 million people have already died globally, directly from the alleged vaccines, the gene therapy designed to kill us. Parenthesis. The immunization implementation agenda document from the WHO, and I've shared this, uh, uh, this resource, it's publicly available. This document, official WHO document, has a chart in it. And what the chart shows is that by the year 2030, not only will you and I and our children and everybody else on the planet be mandated to have all of the current vaccines that exist all reformulated on the mRNA platform, think about that, but there will be 500 novel vaccines that we will be mandated to receive. And when you think what one novel vaccine, the uh, mRNA and DNA COVID vaccines have done, you say, well, how's anybody going to be left? And the point is not very many people will. That's exactly right, because they believe that less than 10% of these diminished uh, DNA modified human beings is all that they'll need to serve their needs. That's how clear they are about how many of us they want dead. So what do we do about this? We get out of the Death Star. And the only way to do that, and I've studied how you get out of these treaties. Um, I've studied this very intensively and uh, carefully. The only way to do this is to have whatever sock puppet sits in the office known as head of state office. In our case, it's the Oval Office. For you, it's, it's a different office. That sock puppet in charge writes a letter, and the letter says, we're out. We're not part of your club. It's literally that simple. What's hard is getting the letter written. Well, 
the United States, and, you know, the United States is definitely in trouble in lots of ways, but it's still a very impactful place. The United States currently has two bills introduced this past week before the United States companion bills. They're identical. They are the disengage from the United Nations Debacle Act, S-3428 and House Resolution 6645. Now, what needs to happen is that every single person in the United States, and then we'll get to the Canadian equivalent because there is one, which is pretty cool. Every single person in the United States needs to go to preventgenocide2030.org and scroll down just a little bit on the home page, just a little bit, and click the first blue button. Click here to support HR 645 and S3428 you will be able to fill in a form. This will take you to a letter. You can edit it. We're not telling you what to say. And you can click send to your two Congress people and your representative. Then with a simple click of a button, you can be connected to their phone systems and you can leave a message. We give a little script to help you. You can say whatever you like. And then you can tweet them to their official tweets, and then you can upload a 30-second video saying, listen, look in my eyes, get me out of this, get me out of this, I demand this, you work for me. Now, this has to happen with what we call a supermajority, because in the United States, when the sock puppet in charge um, vetoes a bill that the Congress passes, and the sock puppet in charge certainly will, whether it's Biden or whether he collapses ultimately and it's Harris, whichever and sock puppet you got. <laughs> yeah. Well, really, do you want Kamala Harris in that <laughs> no. office? <laughs> no, no. It's all it's, bad. It's, a, it's a, a gibbling sock puppet one way or the other. But what has to happen is this bill, ha these bills have to pass with a supermajority so that when they go back to the House and Senate, having been vetoed, a two-thirds majority can pass them and override the veto. This is incredibly important. This bill doesn't defund anything. It exits the United States from the UN, from WHO, from UNESCO, from the International Bank, from the World Trade Organization, from all the obligations, the international health regulations, the whole shebang. But wait, there's more in Canada. Uh, one of our uh, collaborators, Doug Porter, who lives in British Columbia, uh, presented a petition to Leslie Lewis, Member of Parliament, and she is sponsoring it as the Member of Parliament. It is a Canadian parliamentary petition which obliges the Parliament to have a debate on exactly the same thing. Now, when the United States passes its bill, and that has to happen during this Congress, because we will never have another opportunity to take this action again. The other side is moving forward rapidly with their control, with their destruction of property rights, with their traumatic uh, uh, mind control programs for every child in the world. We 
call it comprehensive sexuality education, you call it Soji 123, in which they're using what they learned in the Monarch program and the, the uh, MK Ultra program about sexual trauma, repeated sexual trauma, to create mind-controlled individuals who used to be known as children who were protected by parents and parental rights. Um, so that's that's part of it. But your uh, your parliamentary petition needs to be signed. And indeed, if you go back to Prevent Genocide 2030 slash Canada or on the homepage, there is a button there for Canadians to sign the parliamentary petition and then another button right next to it for Canadians to send a letter to their parliamentarians saying there will be a debate in Parliament, and I want you to support and to activate getting out of the United Nations, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, you may say, oh, emails are worthless. Yeah, a hundred emails, a thousand emails, a hundred thousand emails, no impact at all. But I can tell you from having forced policy change on the United States government and on the government of Chile, specifically through riding the Freedom Mouse, specifically through millions of people taking simple actions like the one we're talking about on the internet and forcing Congress or Parliament in, in Chile or in the UK, forcing them to realize that they're about to lose control of the control. And that's where their interest is. They don't care about any particular issue. They care about keeping control of the control. And when the numbers of people roar the same message, and that message is no, don't you dare. The amazing thing is they step back every time. When they don't step back, it's because we haven't roared in enough numbers. Um, a Washington attorney on our side, very wise man, unfortunately no longer with us, Jim Turner, taught me decades ago that it's a numbers game. They have the dollars, we have the people. And what they fear most, these oligarchs, these, these monstrous psychopaths, who have no love at all for anyone or anything except their own perceived need, what they fear most is our numbers. And so that is our best tool, our best weapon to come in love of life, in love of humanity, in love of the capacity that humanity has to to grow and to nurture and to blossom and to bloom and to be divine, which they hate, by the way, and to force them out of our lives, out of our path, and God knows, out of our property, our politics, and our families, and our schools. And we can do this, Laura Lee, but only if we take the responsibility to act and to communicate to everybody we can reach, hey, I did this, I need you to do it, and I need you to motivate everybody else. This is, I believe, and I, you know, I could be wrong. I'm The fact that I'm passionate doesn't make me right. Obviously, I believe I'm right. Uh, this is the last moment in the history of humanity because 
although every tyrant in history has wanted this level of deadly control over their slaves and their, their subjects, the technology hasn't existed before. And so like, we had the capacity. Mm -hmm. I'd like to ask everyone to share this, uh, this uh, broadcast right now, because this is information that if we can get it out, you know, people sometimes think you're crazy because you're a conspiracy theorist or whatever. Because I, I want to play this clip for you. You mentioned the Club of Rome. Let's have a look at what Dennis Meadows from the Club of Rome talked about. Let me be really clear right now. He's talking about depopulation and how to get rid of you. Take a listen to this man's words. So far, globally, you are so far above the population and the consumption levels which can be supported by this planet that I know in one way or another it's going to come back down. So I don't hope to avoid that. Uh, I hope that it can occur in a, a, a civil way, I, I, and I mean civil in a, in a special way, I, peaceful. Peace doesn't mean uh, that everybody's happy, but it means that conflict isn't solved through violence, through, through force, uh, but rather in other ways. And so uh, that's what I hope for. Uh, that we can, I mean, the planet can support something like a billion people, maybe two billion, depending on how much liberty and how much material consumption you want to, to have. If you want more liberty and more consumption, you have to have fewer people. And conversely, you can have more people I mean, we could even have eight or nine billion, probably, if we have a very strong dictatorship, which is smart. It's, unfortunately, you never have smart dictatorships. They're always stupid. So, but if you had a smart dictatorship and a low standard of living, you can have it. But, but we want to have freedom and we want to have a high sentence. So we're going to have a billion people. And we're now at seven, so we have to get back down. I hope that this can be slow, relatively slow, and that it can be done in a way which is relatively equal, uh, you know, so that people share uh, the experience and you don't have a few rich, you know, trying to force everybody else to, to deal with it. So those are my hopes. I mean, these are pretty pessimistic hopes, you know, but I mean, that's, that's what lies ahead. That's what lies ahead. Like, do you see how he says that? That's what lies ahead. We have to do it. We have to get rid of billions of people. And I'm a nice people, so I hope it can be done nicely. Now, uh, when I meet a genocidalist, or when I interact with a genocidalist, I always say to them, okay, you first. And they always say, oh, well, no, that's not quite what I had in mind. Hugo, my family and I, will do just fine. And if my family can't do just fine, well, that's okay. I'll do fine. Um, this They are not kidding. They are absolutely serious. And therefore, we have to simply remove the power from them. The United Nations, the WHO, all of the organizations and commissions and committees and treaties and obligations were created to take us to this point where that's what lies ahead. Right. Well, no. What lies <laughs> ahead 
is is humanity yeah waking up and saying uh no absolutely not i will not comply and when you go to preventgenocide2030.org which is an internationally based action site when you do that uh you will find a badge a social media badge when you scroll further down the um uh, the home page, and we ask people to take that badge and use it on their social media a little bit further down. Is and by the way, could you stop and show that uh, that graphic? Mm-hmm. Compliance kills the same people who brought us that are intent on bringing you Agenda 2030 and the Great Reset understand that they never lost the same people who funded and prepared and carried out the holocaust in germany and europe they're at it again now they want you and your family there we just passed the um the the badge yes we say take that badge Put it in your social media and let people know that there is a movement that says, I will not comply. Uh Uh-uh. No. And be part of that movement by taking these actions. We have many actions in many countries. So when you see the take action button, there's a list of countries. When you go, if you go to the take action button up at the top and you click on it, It's way up at the top. There it is. If you click on that, you will see Canada listed. And if you click on the Canada page, you'll see that there are three three little items. One is the opportunity to take the petition, the parliamentary petition. And that is vitally important. Vitally. Scroll down just a little bit. There we go. The first one to the left, at least the left on my screen, is say no to tyranny. That's taking the parliamentary petition and giving Leslyn Lewis the support that she needs to get to help get Canada out of these death systems. The second, and you get a chance to sign, this is the official uh, Canadian parliamentary petition. The one in the middle is really important. It says, it takes you to another one of those forms that you fill out and you send a letter to your MPs and you can call their offices and leave your message or talk to their staff. You can send a tweet, you can upload a video because the people in Canada who think they're in charge need to hear that you're in charge. Hey, can I get you a picture of the parliament? Can I get you a picture of the parliament to put uh, above this, uh, you know, on this one right here? I've got a beautiful picture of our parliament. We could get that to you so that that page I would, has the... I would love to have that. I would okay. love to have that. But this, this system only allows us to have one banner. So oh, gotcha. it's kind of... It's a, but if you'll send it to me, Laura Lynn, we yeah. will use it in our newsletters. We will use it in, in various articles for Canadian uh, actions. Absolutely. Well, I've been there a few times in my life, including the Freedom Convoy 2022. Um, And uh, we fought, we fought against this and and we tried to do it as a nation. And it was the, I would say, the most amazing act of God that I've uh, seen where, where God literally called 
you know, a hundred thousand people, uh, you know, just to kind of make their way there, you know, over time. But really on, on the day when we were there, uh, some estimates are over a million and they didn't even, um, know what to do with what happened. But in the end, they just, they were able to bully people. Uh, when you talk about not complying, I had two very important conversations with people in my circle that are very discerning this morning. And, um, we, we're very alarmed because Canadians are compliers. We are compliant. This is a problem with our character as a nation. We're very nice. We apologize for no reason. And uh, maybe we've taken pride in that. And I don't think that we should have because what we do is we roll over. Oh, you have to get the vax or you lose your job. Oh, okay, we'll take the vax. Yeah, sign me up for my third booster. And uh, because we're so compliant, we don't know how to say no. And I would say that I was raised in a family that taught me to have tremendous respect for authority. And this respect for authority has not been uh, tempered in with understanding that sometimes authority kills a massive amount of people. Sometimes authority has ill will to, to the people and that we have to have discernment. And we're lacking in discernment these days. Some people have it and some people don't. And I am, I am really thrilled that so many Holocaust survivors or people that are of, of Jewish heritage that understand what happens when you comply are now sounding the alarm against certain of these things. But I will have to say that we're kind of compliant against, you know, terrorists in the world too. We're kind of going, oh, well, you know, how are we going to, you know, really get rid of all of them? And uh, some evil people to me saying, well, you just can't believe what's going on with the terrorists because, you know, you get fed misinformation, they doctor pictures. Well, that's what they said about the Holocaust. That's what people try to say is why they can't, um, you know, they, they just don't believe certain things because, well, everything's fake. It's all AI. We're getting to a place in time when um, it will be hard to discern what is true and what is someone's rendition of the truth. And so uh, being discerning is number one for me and then not complying once you figure out the truth. And I'm very, I'm sorrowful as Canadians that we've done it, even our churches, even synagogues, even, um, you know, the, the, um, you know, the temples and that of, of different religions, um, everybody just shut down and they shut down. They didn't just shut down while we thought, well, what do we have? Do we have a, a bad virus that's really going to kill people? Because maybe we did. And maybe the smartest thing you could do is to shelter in place. But then we started getting information. We started getting information that no, actually the kill rate is pretty low as compared to, uh, of this virus. And it's actually targeting the elderly. So maybe we should be very protective of the elderly in certain ways. Although masks don't seem to work because the virus is so small, it goes in and out of a mask. But the problem, and Dr. Dr. Rima, this is where I think it's important what you're saying, is that even after we kind of knew that they were full of BS, they, and, and uh, sorry, that's the biggest swear word I'll use here, okay, everyone. But they, they were full of it. Even after we knew that, we had our churches complying. We had our stores complying. We had small businesses going out of business every single week because we were complying and, and, and we were stuck because they were going to take away the licenses and they, they put very hard measures on us. So we did comply in so many ways. 
And you are not alone as Canadians. We in the United States and uh, people in in Europe, they complied and complied, not Sweden. Now, Sweden did not lock down, but 75%, 78% of the Swedes took the, the shots anyway, because for a very long time, we've been brainwashed by really, really capable experts in brainwashing to think that vaccines actually increase health. Now, the truth of the matter is that if you inject pus and poison into people's bodies, especially into babies' bodies, what you do is damage their immune systems permanently and make them customers for life for Big Pharma, which is dedicated to the proposition that the only good person is a sick person because they're a great customer. And then behind that, because they're controlled by the same globalist cabal that brought you the death machine, they are part of the death machine. And so ultimately, after they extract all your money by destroying your health and send, selling you vast numbers of drugs, then you get to die. And that's part of the, the uh, uh, hegemony's goal. Now, I will very briefly, if I may, uh, take a moment to tell the story of the patient that I had, because as I said, I was practicing drug-free medicine and psychiatry. So people for whom conventional medicine failed, which by the way, in the profession is articulated in this way, the patient failed the therapy. That's the official phrase for when it doesn't work. You can give people drugs or radiation or whatever doesn't work. The patient fails the therapy. Oops, no, not really. Anyway, when people had failed their therapies one way or another, they would come to a doctor. They still do come to a doctor like me who uses different methods. Well, one of those people was a head of state. And uh, I can't tell you who because of medical confidentiality. And one day she said to me casually, you know, it's almost time for the great culling to begin. And I said, the what? And she said, culling, C-U-L. I said, I know the word. What are you talking about? She said, the culling of the useless eaters. And I said, what's a useless eater? This was back in 2002. Uh, 2003. And I said, what's a useless eater? She said, and I quote, those people who are consuming our non-renewable resources. And I said, did it ever occur to you that you're consuming their non-renewable resources? She said, oh, that's an interesting idea, which she dismissed. And I said, so how many of these useless eaters are you planning on culling? And she said, 90%. And I said, 90% of what? And she said, the total world population. And I challenged her on that. I challenged her on the economics of it. Uh, we hadn't even gotten to the morality of it. And I said, um, she said, there will be us, the neo-aristocrats at the top, surrounded by our servants and servitors, and below them our technicians. And that requires only 10% of the current world population or less. She left and I started thinking either this woman is absolutely insane and I missed it because I was treating something physical and wasn't thinking about her mental state or she has given me a great clue. And of course, the answer is both. She was a psychopath, incapable <laughs> of love and connection, and 
she gave me an enormous clue and I started reading their documents and discovered that she was telling me the absolute truth about the absolutely clear plan, the eugenics plan. And so uh, in 2004, I waltzed into my husband's office in my, uh, my practice and I said, sweetheart, we have to close the practice. And he asked a really smart question. He was a smart guy. He said, why? Because that was how we made our living. And I told him what I had been finding. And he said, right. So that's why we created the Natural Solutions Foundation, Laura wow. Lynn. And they've made tremendous progress toward complete evil, destructive control. But these bills, the parliamentary, the parliamentary uh, petition, and most importantly, right this minute, the congressional paired bills are our tool to literally, literally save humanity. It's that important and that critical. I just appreciate so much uh, your courage and your strength talking about this. And you're actually giving people something to do, which matters, and not complying and uh, I just want to run uh, one last thing before I let you go, Dr. Rima. We are watching as there's compliance uh, in not protecting um, Jewish people. And this is very shocking and disturbing to my heart as someone who loves the Jews. I've been to Israel two times. I'm not Jewish that I know of, although my maiden name was Freeman. And I sometimes say, doesn't that sound Jewish? But anyways, um, Harvard University forced Jewish students to hide their uh, Hanukkah menorah, and it ordered Jews to take down, down the menorah overnight, or it would likely be vandalized by Muslim students and their useful idiot allies on the left. Apparently, university officials refused to order campus security to stop the vandalism. And I just want to run a, a it's just a, like a 30-second clip of a rabbi saying something I think is very powerful. Take a look. On our campus, in the shadow of Widener Library, we in the Jewish community are instructed, we'll let you have the menorah, you made your point, okay, pack it up, don't leave it out overnight, because there will be criminal activity, we fear, and it won't look good. You know when, you know when change is going to happen on this campus? When we don't have to pack up the menorah. You know, um, I'm really upset that there should be peace, there should be protection. Uh, when people begin to act badly, there should be a huge um, act of our justice system, letting them know you can't act badly like that because they get empowered. And I don't understand what's going on. We, we know this is pure evil, that you shouldn't be destroying things, that there should be police brought in. Let me let me respond to this horrendous, horrendous trend that is being created by the globalists. So we'll hate one another and do their dirty work for them to the extent that they can they can make it happen. They did it with Black Lives Matter. Same thing. And that is that. I am Jewish, but this has nothing to do with being Jewish. I would be as outraged and as intently uh, protective of a Muslim uh, a symbol or a Jain or a Hindu or a Christian symbol. This is about the destruction of the rule of law and the 
traditions and reality of justice in our society. It's irrelevant that it's about Jews. It could just as well be about any group or any race. It is oh, the, the mayor of Boston had a holiday party for electeds of color which is wildly illegal in the United States, wildly illegal, electeds of color. That is the same thing as what Harvard University and the University of Pennsylvania and all the other schools are doing. And these fools who are defending Hamas, and this has nothing to do with with Israel-Hamas Arab politics, these fools who are defending Hamas do not realize that Hamas is calling for international jihad to kill them and the 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 lgbdq f and a half plus queers for palestine parentheses Mm -hmm. queers for palestine do not understand that what they are supporting is bound and determined to kill them there is a level of idiocy that is terrifying all in of its in and of itself laura lynn but it's not about Judaism. It's not about Hanukkah. It's not. It's about the destruction of the rule of law and the power of justice. So let me just wrap my my uh, mind around all of that. Um, I know that they're going after Christians as well. Uh, sometimes um, we're even named in the hatred for Jews. They'll say Christians. But do you see, um, I don't see Muslims, uh, I don't see anyone complaining about Muslims um, being attacked right now, at least. You know, certainly there's wars, there's, you know, the Middle East has been full of of, of these um, these wars and rumors of wars that we've witnessed. Um, but right now, it does seem that Jewish students, in particular, are really. Uh, I I just I have tremendous um, concern that they're not oh, yes. getting adequate protection right now. Of course they're not. Of course they're not. And and when after the October seventh massacre, and by the way, on October seventh, I wrote an article uh, which we published in both our newsletter and uh, a news aggregation site called OpenSourceTruth.com. I wrote a letter saying this could not have happened without a complicit Israeli stand down from not Netanyahu on down. This was a 9-11 stand down opportunity, opportunistic uh, planned attack on the state of Israel to accomplish whatever it was that uh, that they wanted to by sacrificing innocent people. So this was an evil attack on both sides. And in fact, the United States uh, intelligence services had told the IDF and their intelligence, the Mossad, the day before that this attack was going to happen within the next 24 hours. And what they did was pull the troops away from the place of incursion. So this was a stand down. This was a set up job. As hideous as it was, it gets more hideous. So it's not about religion. It's about geopolitics. The Ukrainian conflict was kind of running out of steam and didn't really trigger World War III. Oops, well, let's do something else. Oh, I know, the Middle East always works. We could do that. 
And so they did. Yeah, That's so, how I see this. Um, would you be able to send me the source of them getting information 24 hours before? Would yes, you be able Mossad to, you know, on, actually, on email? Yes. Yeah, we'll, we'll just email. Mossad, Mossad actually acknowledged that the U.S. intelligence service told them that it was about to happen. And in fact, the, you know, they have women who watch screens for four hour shifts, looking at everything that happens on the, the gates. The women who were watching that particular sector had been sending information into the system for three months, talking about the buildup that was going on on the other side of the wall. Now, to Yes, and I did hear about that. Yeah, if I if I could, um, because Amir um, Amir Sarfati, and I don't know if you know him, but anyways, he's a Jew. Yep. He lives he lives in Israel, and he did quite uh, an analysis of how they took out. Now I uh, I do I would love to get that information about the what they got warned of twenty four hours ahead. I do know Egypt had been saying. Something's up. We yes. don't exactly know who. And I also heard that what the uh, Israeli intelligence was thinking is Hezbollah is going to attack because they'd been dealing with Hamas and their constant barrage of, you know, the Iron Dome that had to take down their constant assaults against them. They'd been dealing that with that for quite a while. So they thought that Egypt's intel was basically letting them know that, you know, something was going to go on in the north and that there was some you know, uh, understanding of that. And then he describes how the cameras were taken out and some of the intel along the border and all of that, which left them flying blind. The way that he described it um, did leave room for the fact that um, it, you know, it wasn't, um, I'd hate to think that Netanyahu uh, is complicit. I've been watching him for many, many years. And one of the things, and I'll give you a, a moment to speak here as well, but one of the things that I appreciate about him is he never, the Jews never talk about, we're going to annihilate every Palestinian. We're going to take out every Muslim. But the Hamas leaders, we have played the clips in the just the last month. Yes. The Hamas leaders, and even in this last 10 days, have said, we will kill every Jew. That is their, that is their stated goal and they are unequivocal about that. And has been from the beginning. Um, the Israeli intelligence forces, Mossad, had the written plans for the October 7th incursion a year in advance. Mm. They didn't know the date, but they got other information that told them what do you think they know uh, like did they know people would would fly in uh you know or would you know yes they have yes they had they knew that it would be yes it would be attacked the gate the 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 wall would be attacked with bulldozers that there would be paratroopers they knew where the paratroopers were being trained to, you know, the paragliders rather, not paratroopers, where the paragliders were being trained. They had satellite imagery of their training. They had the written plans a year in advance. This was not a surprise. Now, let me go back to 9-11, if I may, for a moment. Yes, yes. Uh, General General Burt, my husband, uh, was retired as the commanding general of the United States Intelligence and Security Command for the U.S. Army. He new intelligence and intelligence analysis pretty well. 
And we were in Hawaii when 9-11 occurred. A young woman who, whom he had mentored when he was on active duty and with whom we had remained uh, friendly uh, called us in Hawaii. We were asleep. It was the middle of the night. And she said to my husband, sir, the United States is at war. Turn on your television. So he, we got up. We turned on the television. We saw the plane hit the first building. We saw the plane hit the second building. We heard the announcer say that the second building had been hit when it was visible in back of her, and then it was hit shortly thereafter. That was interesting. And my brilliant analyst husband, intelligence analyst husband, turned to me and said, you watch, the information will have been in the system for a long time time. And of course, in the passion of the moment, I turned to him and said, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. That's ridiculous. He was absolutely right. There had been 19 reports of people who wanted to learn to fly a plane, but not land at a big plane, uh, going up into the FBI chain. And those reports were stopped before they became actionable 19 times, plus a great deal more intelligence that was in the system. But the stand down was necessary. The turning off the air defense system of the entire eastern part of the United States by Dick Cheney. Hmm, why did that happen? Huh? And it's the same process. We know that Franklin Delano Roosevelt knew a week in advance what was going to happen at Pearl Harbor but he wanted something that he could go to war on. It was a stand down. He could have moved the ships. He could have protected them, chose not to. October 7th is the same as Pearl Harbor, is the same as 9-11. It's complicity to achieve a globalist purpose and the, the cost is humanity. Well, enough, no more. And and if indeed you know when you uh, when you research things like this on the net because I have because I've heard all about the nine eleven and uh, you know and I always say well I hear this side and this side and I'm not God so uh, I'm I'm going to have to kind of let the facts bear out that I can actually verify and then you've got all the misinformation and the disinformation we're in an information war. And then I've seen that I've been a little bit upset at times with our freedom movement up here in Canada that might release false information. And I've been really, really upset when I was told that I'm basically being paid by uh, the Jews because I have supported Israel. And then I know, you know what, a bunch of us on our side are a bunch of crackpots too because you want to accuse everyone of being the bad guy. And I know I'm not a bad guy because I, you know what, if you know any Jews that want to support me, I want to let you know right now, my email is Laurel in Live at Proton Mail. Go ahead and support me because these people put out false information and they were our friends. This is friends from our side. And then they accuse me and then they accuse Jordan Peterson of things and, you know, and, and everyone's after everyone. And sooner or later, as soon as someone doesn't, you know, see things eye to eye, then you're the bad guy that's somehow in, involved with the elites. Like they were painting me like I am, you know, uh, disinformation and, and I'm, uh, you know, um, what do you call that opposition? Your paid opposition Control, or whatever. Controlled, controlled opposition. opposition. I mean, I've been accused right. of that. And I have actually just very, I just assess a situation and I just know 
whatever happened, I, I want to stand against people that are doing bad stuff. And I want to support those that are, you know, on the better side of things and, and knowing that all human beings are fallible. So this is a very difficult thing. Like if I put into yes. chat GPT was, uh, you know, uh, Roosevelt, um, uh, you know, involved and knew about, um, uh, you know, about Pearl Harbor a week in advance. I mean, I'd love to do it right while we're talking. I can bet you that Google and ChatGPT will not give me references that verify that sort of thing. So then you have to go into what, you know, d dig deeply in the weeds and then it all gets, you know, well, he said and she said and there's intel here and this video says this. It's very difficult, I guess, is what I want to communicate to you. It is absolutely difficult and they want it to be difficult because they're hiding lots and lots of things. Um, let me talk for a moment about our movement in Canada, in the United States, in the UK. I work with people all over the world on a daily basis. Um, I have been involved in one social justice movement or another since I was 12 years old. And I was thrown out of my first organization when I was 14. Well, I turned 80 a couple of months ago. So I have a long history of looking at movements, whether it's the integration movement, civil rights movement in the United States, or whether it's um, the anti-war movement or, you know, one after another, the health freedom movement for a very long time. So I have, I have a perspective on these issues about movements and controlled opposition and agence provocateur. I have never, ever seen a movement so thoroughly penetrated, so incredibly, incredibly misdirected, so filled with um, uh, deceit and disinformation and the sowing of distrust. And the reason, as far as I can tell, and of course I get accused of being, you know, an agent too. Everybody does who's doing good work. The then reason, as far company. as I can tell, mm. yeah, absolutely. The reason, as far as I can tell, is that this is the most important movement that has ever taken place because this is the end game of the forces of tyranny and suppression and evil. And so we are right over the target and we get the flack. That's why they killed my husband. That's why there have been nine very serious attempts on my life. So far, wow. they haven't gotten wow. it right. And Good. the reason is, and that's why people uh, who should be on our side say, oh, well, she was married to an intelligence guy, so she must be an evil asset. Nope, that's not the way it works. But the point is that we are being centered and uh, separated from one another quite, quite carefully. And some of the people who have the, the largest footprint are the people that I trust least because I have data about, <laughs> about that. But I do not attack people publicly. I simply go about the work that will solve the problem, which happens at this point to be mm -hmm. Getting out. That's it. Get out. I don't care about the who struck John and I don't care about the politics. I mean, Malone sued the Breggans and uh, Dr. Ruby for $25 million. Well, that alone should tell you what it tells you, right? Mm -hmm. What else do you need to know there? 
So well, it, one needs to be discerning. Right. Well, there's so that, final, yes. My final question then before I let you go, and I appreciate that you're, you're showing people a way uh, of what to do. Do you think that with the knowledge that you're spreading, shows like mine, uh, do you think that we're making some headway? Do you believe that with knowledge, uh, the people can protect themselves? They can become less compliant, more, uh, you know, be become stronger critical thinkers. Are we able to do this? Because I'm going to tell you something. Um, I think that if Donald Trump gets in, I think that he will. He already pulled out of the who and he got nothing but grief over it, by the way. But I think that he's more likely to pull out of nations like this. But in Canada, we have Pierre Polyev coming in. There's no sign that I can see that Pierre Polyev, um, if it should he become elected as our prime minister, I mean, certainly Trudeau is not going to do it, but there's no sign other than Leslyn Lewis putting forward something saying, and, and she's great. She's, she's one MP. Um, I don't, I don't think that our, our dude is going to do that, uh, that gets in next. So, so then what, what do we do then when our countries are not pulling out of it? Um, are we getting smarter? Yes and no. Here's my analysis of exactly that critical question, Laura Lynn. We are becoming more and more alert to various uh, problems at the ends of the tentacles. Parent rights, uh, sexualization of children, the, the corruption of the justice system, uh, the uh, uh, militarization of our assets, uh, the, the destructiveness of our, quote, health system, and the insanity of what passes as public health and so on. And people are looking for ways to correct those issues. And each one is virtuous and each one is necessary. However, even if you correct all of them, you haven't solved the problem. You haven't killed the monster. What needs to happen in my estimation is we have to look for the root of the problem. An allopathic approach is to suppress the symptom. That's what's at the end of the tentacle. A holistic approach is to kill the damn monster because that's what's going to enslave mo the few of us who are allowed to survive and destroy human life and humanity forever. So all of these other things, in my humble view, need to be put aside. They're, they're incredibly important but they're not the central issue. I practice medicine by looking for the central underlying issue and healing that. And that's what we're not doing. We're acting tactically instead of strategically. And Sun Tzu, really smart dude, taught us that to act tactically without strategy is the surest way to defeat. Yeah, mm. we're working on our own defeat unless we go for the heart of the beast. And that is what these two bills in the United States Congress and what Leslie Lewis's congressional petition can do if and only if, if and only if the people roar their support. They don't whisper it. They don't say it courteously. They roar their support and say, I demand that my interests are preserved mm. and that you get us out of this death system. It takes roaring, not violence, but roaring.
And if we do that and we focus on the core issue, then I believe that we can save ourselves. Otherwise, I believe we are doomed. I do too. Dr. Rima Lebo, I, uh, I'm so grateful for someone like yourself that's speaking Thank up. You. And also, uh, I hope that I am just as brilliant as you when I'm 80, <laughs> <laughs> which will mean I'll have to go up a notch. <laughs> so I, I just appreciate you. And you're very inspiring. Thank and you. God bless you. Please be safe. Thank you for sharing what you Thank shared. You. Thank you. Thank you, Laura Lynn. Very nice. I, uh, I, th I think that when people are still fighting for what's right uh, and they're in their 80s, uh, that is somebody that you want on your side when there's a war, you know, because that that is just, she is strong. And you can see she's been through a lot in life and she talks about uh, this situation with her husband and whatnot. Things like that make you very, very strong. So there's a few things that I want to go over uh, before we leave. Um so this is very concerning to me. This uh, pro-Hamas protester, have you seen this? Somebody was uh, writing about it on the, the, the comments here, basically saying, you know, the Coots guys are in jail uh, and can't get a fair trial. And it's just been over 600 days. Oh, they're in remand. Yeah, they're not even in jail. Jail would be more comfortable from what I understand. Reman is a very uncomfortable place where you kind of go briefly, wait, you know, to get released or go to trial, and they're they're just stuck there in eternal, you know, unhappiness. And why? Okay, some of the charges against them is threatening uh, the lives of officers. Now, it hasn't been proven yet, and there is good reason to believe we have innocent people in jail, and and we're standing with them. But take a look at this. This guy, so this is a protester disrupting Christmas shopping at Eaton Center in Toronto and threatening the police. Take a look. You come near me, I'll put you lay down on the floor. I'll lay you to sleep. I'll put you six feet deep. I'll put you six feet deep. The cop will put him six yeah. 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 There's only one attack team on Palestine, and we're gonna be on our way to the front. He's not trying to shake, he's a pussy, bro. So if you saw at the beginning of that, this guy, and I, th I thought he came back, actually, if you uh, the, if that video goes longer, but, and he says, um, I'll put you six, six feet deep. Yeah, he said it right at the beginning there. I'll put you six feet deep, the guy says, with the big mask. He's talking to the police officers. Now, I mean, I tweeted, I'm like, so, Mr. Trudeau, do you think it's time to bring in the ugly suits? 
Because let me tell you what the truckers were doing. They were setting up bouncy castles and they were protesting in a strong way, but basically saying, listen, we think we need bodily autonomy and you can't tell us, you know, what vaccines we have to take, Mr. Prime Minister. And, you know, he's all about he's all about the, the vaccines. And and here we've got a guy saying to the cop's face, uh, I'll put you six feet deep. And they are brazenly bold. And this is happening in, in our city centers. Uh, do we have a problem? Should we be calling in the National Guard? Yes. So let me tell you, I think that uh, Christia Freeland is, uh, is looking into what's happening in our country. So with Christia, if you want to take that bigger, we'll just, I'll just kind of read it from here. So one hour ago, one hour ago from, from the time of my saying this, which is right now because we are live, okay? So if you see this later today, it's a few hours ago. But Christia Freeland, today I spent some time listening to the Muslim community leaders from the Toronto Islamic Center in hashtag Unirose. Uh, the rise in Islamophobic hate crimes has left many Muslim Canadians feeling unsafe. It's unacceptable. Islamophobia has no place in Canada or anywhere. Um, so, JT, how many Isla Islamophobia things are we seeing happen? Like, how many attacks on... It's inversely proportional to the number of attacks that It's virtually in it's proportion. It's inversely. Inversely proportionate. Okay, <laughs> okay. It's inversely proportionate. So, right now, we have Jews uh, hiding... They can't uh, have their menorah left anywhere because uh, the, it's apparently going to be taken down. And Christia Freeland wants to make all nice. I think y'all should be safe. Let's not get anything wrong that I'm saying here. Muslims should be safe. That, that bunch there and the guy that's saying, I'll put you six feet under, uh, that's a Muslim, okay? The people that are chanting in our streets, it, it appears to be hundreds of thousands of them, are basically saying, from the river to the sea, Palestine shall be free. And then they're hating on the Jews, calling for the annihilation. Some of them, they're outright calling for the annihilation of the Jews. Uh, sometimes the Christians is not too far behind it. But... We don't want any of that. We want peace on earth. We want peace on earth. And now the people calling for the annihilation, and I, I don't know if we keep that Hamas leader, his clip handy. I really, I'd love to play it again, JT. I don't know if you can find it. Let's get that one back, please, and let's keep it. It's the, it's the Hamas guy, and he's, you have to read it because he's speaking in his language. And they're not going to stop until they annihilate the Jews. Like, that's their ceasefire terms. Okay? That's what they want. Um, a few years ago, I was just being informed that basically they released, for one Israeli soldier, they released a, um, 700, no, no, 1,000 prisoners. 1,000 prisoners were released for one Israeli soldier to be released. And some of those Hamas Israeli prisoners 
were behind this October 7th attack. So I also want to mention something else. And so, you know, it's interesting to me. Now, I have many guests on, and I appreciate Dr. Rima, but I want to tell you that in looking into it, so she said something today. She said, uh, Roosevelt, President Franklin D. Roosevelt knew about the attacks on Pearl Harbor a week before it took place. Well, so if I go to chat GPT, which I find generally it's, it's pretty smart and knows a lot of stuff. So it kind of gives you, it kind of gives you an overview. So did Franklin Roosevelt, President Roosevelt, did he know about Pearl Harbor a week before? Well, this is exactly what it says. Okay, I asked it. It says, there is historical debate and controversy surrounding whether President Franklin D. Roosevelt had advanced knowledge of the attacks on Pearl Harbor on December 7th, 1941. Some conspiracy theories suggest that he did. But there is no concrete evidence to support such claims. The official investigations and his historical consensus do not indicate that Roosevelt had foreknowledge of the attack. Now, I know that with the vast audience that's watching me right now, there's some of you that are going to say, oh, I know he did. Um, you know, that that is the case. And I know what happened at 9-11. And there's about four different things that are theories out there about what truly happened with 9-11. So what, what I'd like to say to everybody is, let's be very aware of misinformation propaganda on all sides. So somebody wants to get their, their fame and fortune from putting out a video that says such and such. Then we have the people that are, we're all on the same side, but they're putting out some narrative. I have been upset. I remember seeing a video that was out that I knew was, um, it was incorrectly presenting something someone said about the vaccines, actually. Now, I want all information about the vaccines to be properly shared, and I want us to really understand what's going on with that. But here's the problem, okay, is that our side was putting out a video. I had my assistant go and find the complete video so that we could show exactly what was said, and it was not the edited version that was going out. And that was put out by our side. I don't like it. I don't like lies. I don't like propaganda on any side. And we, we have to be determined to, seech, to, to search for and seek the truth. Seek it. Seek wisdom. Above all things. Like, don't just believe the guy that's telling you what happened. Ask, you know, I don't know, you can't trust Google, but I, I am liking this chat GPT. Of course, it's going to have some information that's, you know, probably not true as well. But when, you know, a conglomerate of, of people say that such and such happened, you gotta, and at the, at the end of it all, how do we know? I don't have CIA files. I don't have the FBI files. But when they start coming out, you bet your bottom dollar. If I see it with my eyes, if I can see proof and evidence, I'm going to be on that side. The fact that they won't release, you know, files on UFOs, that there's a lot of information they're not releasing on that. Well, I think it should be released to the people. What, you think we all can't handle that? Well, maybe there's UFOs. 
Like, it's so dumb. They, oh, we just, you know, we can't let the population know. I just, I hate all that stuff. Like, I'm a big girl and you're a big guy, you know, and, and we're all big people and we can handle whatever the truth is about whatever the truth is or isn't. Uh, when we find out that the president of the United States was potentially killed by, and, and they are saying that the files show this and that this should all be released on the, the CIA and FBI involvement in that. Well, shocking and horrible. But when people begin to show that there's something really insidiously wrong with our country, then yes, I think you show the truth and, you know, you move on from there. So, um, so here we are. Thank you, Christia Freeland. Let's show that beautiful face. Isn't, isn't she lovely? Just there smiling. All right. Okay. So have you all seen what's been going on in our country? The increasing violence you can actually capture on video at these mosques. Have you heard that they're calling for a jihad worldwide? Um, so can we play this video, uh, JT, um, RCMP arrest a minor in terror plot against the Jewish community? The RCMP say they've stopped what could have been a catastrophic attack on the Jewish community. Little is known about the terror suspect. The person is a minor and therefore shielded by a publication ban. It's alleged they instructed someone to carry out an attack with an explosive device. The tension, the fear among Jewish residents is very high. The city's mayor is promising more protective measures. We've been increasing patrols around synagogues and other uh, Jewish institutions. Community leaders fear the threat is rising. Anti-Semitism has skyrocketed since October 7th, and I've been saying it over and over again. If things aren't going to get better, they're going to get worse, and here they got worse. The Mounties report an uptick in youth radicalization, saying in a statement there's a concerning trend of violent extremism and terrorist use of the Internet. Since June 2023, the RCMP has arrested five young persons on terrorism-related offenses. If the whole Israeli-Hamas conflict hadn't happened, we wouldn't be having this conversation. This terrorism expert says the war and how it's portrayed on social media is driving some teenagers into the arms of recruiters. You meet other people who share your point of view, who confirm it, who urge you on to do even more, get involved more in the ideas to uh, solidify your views legitimate it. Wow, look, I'm not alone. All these other people feel this way too. Ottawa's Muslim community is on edge, says this local imam. Whenever there is a threat against uh, anyone, including our Jewish neighbors, uh, that is deeply concerning to all of us. Sikander Hashmi says the brutal scenes out of the Israel-Gaza conflict have stirred up anger and frustration. Clearly, uh, these types of uh, horrific uh, tragedies and horrific instances of, of war and pain and grief can certainly be used uh, to try to radicalize young people. It's flooding their social media streams. Um, it's, um, it, it, we're not in a, in a good place right now. JP, police are raising awareness now about these threats, but what kind of action is being taken? Ian, there's been a spike in hate crimes across the country. Hundreds of incidents have been reported to police since the October 7th attack, including dozens in Ottawa. The federal government has chipped in some $5 million to bolster security at religious and cultural sites, but community leaders say they need a lot more than that to keep people safe. Okay, well, the good thing is we know how to handle an emergency in Canada, right? We know how to handle... Um, emergencies. So if we could just go back to this picture of Christia Freeland uh, and, and that lovely smile, um, <coughs> I'm certain 
that uh, she's taking care of this and that she's going to also be looking at the facts that there's terror plots. Um, people in Canada have talked about, um, you know, terror cells uh, being here for, for a very long time. And I'm sure that she's going to be handling that. And what were you saying, JT, about um, when there was a, a thing in Syria? Are you able to just say that name and just put on your microphone? Because I can't hear it and I can't say that name very well. Oh, when Bashar Assad killed hundreds of thousands of Muslims and of his own people, like the Muslim community in Canada was not protesting Syria at all. Right. So there was all these killings going on. And there's there's been other times, you know, like major killings, and you didn't have any uprising about this. It's just when it's the Jews. And we've got Hamas swearing that this needs to be done. So I'd like to, uh, could we go to that um, that video you have with uh, the one that I got you to get with Weinstein? No. Um, yeah. Thank you. I'll start with you, Anna Dershowitz, about what we're seeing in Gaza now is, to many people, uh, now the very terrorism which Israel set out to destroy. What do you say to people that think that? It is terrorism. It's terrorism by Hamas taking human shields, putting children in the way of Israel's legitimate military concerns. Hamas has a strategy. It's called the CNN strategy. I call it the dead baby strategy. Kill as many Jews as possible, provoke Israel into doing what every democracy would do, responding, then hide your tunnels and your fighters and your rockets behind civilians, knowing that Israel, no matter how hard they try to avoid civilian casualties, and why would Israel ever want to kill a civilian? It's absurd. It hurts them tremendously. But every time Israel kills a civilian, the world condemns them, the United Nations condemns them. And then that process continues over and over and over again. The people who are being killed today are being killed as a result of Hamas actions. Hamas started it. Hamas uses human shields. If Hamas lay down its arms, if it surrendered, if it uh, agreed to give up control, if it uh, closed its tunnels, if it stopped its rockets, uh, then no civilians would be killed. So it's a terrible tragedy. There's no good solution. There's no perfect solution. If Israel stops now, Hamas continues to do it over and over and over again. If Israel continues, it gets condemned and loses friends abroad and even risks using the United States. It's a terrible dilemma for Israel. All the responsibility, all the fault of Hamas for starting this. And let me just end with one quote. On the day after, literally the day after these horrible tragedies with murders and rapes and robberies, this is what Mr. Finkelstein said. It warms every fiber of my soul, every fiber of my soul. He called the people who murdered these innocent Jews, many of them peaceniks, he called them part of the heroic resistance. And he compared them to the Jews who were fighting against Nazis in the Warsaw Ghetto. It's that kind of animosity toward Israel before Israel fired a single shot, which makes it clear that no matter what Israel does, it's going to be condemned by people like Norman Finkelstein and by the United Nations General Assembly. I think it was Abi Ibn who once said, if the General Assembly were asked to vote on an Algerian resolution that the earth is flattened, that Israel flattened it, it would win 
128 to 32 with 65 abstentions, and he would name each of the people. So the United Nations General Assembly, okay. Human Rights Watch, Doctors Without Borders, these are not objective assessments. Israel is in a very tough situation, and the future of civilization depends on Israel being All right, able let me to bring destroy you Hamas okay. and avoiding So repetition. Israel is in a very tough situation, and, and I think that that's what I... Um, that's what I'm I'm seeing, and I, I'm seeing this rise in anti-Semitism and uh, Christia Freeland. I'm sure she's meeting with the the Jewish leaders as well, and we'll be seeing that picture shortly. Maybe check her her feed; she might have it up because that, that was earlier today. So an hour ago. maybe an hour ago, yeah. So maybe this afternoon, you know, or sure of course it's pretty much nightfall there. It's actually nighttime night. in in Toronto. So yeah, you know what. I bet Christia Freeland's doing the, the big meeting with the big picture with the Jews tomorrow. Watch for that. We'll be presenting that. Um, so let's talk about um, other things that are sort of um, left. Let's look at the United States of America, what they're doing with respect to the lies regarding January 6th. That continues on. I'm I'm thinking that it's really hard to come to conclusive uh, perspectives on much until you have listened to a multitude of opinions and seen a multitude of videos. I want to show you this video, Clay Higgins talking about how police were undercover on January 6th. Take a look. Of, of the FBI with their involvement of this whole thing. We have other evidence, specific observations of police officers, Capitol Police or Metro or both entering rooms and here in the Capitol in uniform and coming out as Trump supporters and construction workers. So, You've seen that. Yeah. So why has that video not one, been released one would, yet? One would say that's a pretty good clue. Yeah. The, the other reason that we believe it's just practical to have someone that knows how to get around. I mean, you know yourself, you can't walk around this place and know where you're going. You have to be here for years and the years. The capital is a maze. That's right. And it's incredibly difficult to get around. You have to know where you're going. So you had to have people that, that were very familiar with the, the capital itself in order to lead some random groups of citizens that have come from every corner of the country. In many cases, never been to D.C. before, much less walked around in the capital. So it, it just makes sense that the Trump supporters that were leading the way and were clearly already inside the Capitol before the doors were open were working in coordination with the FBI agents and assets that were embedded into the crowd. In some cases, in these groups had been embedded for months. This is ugly stuff we're discussing, but the American people deserve to know the truth, and I intend to see that it happened. It's really ugly. I mean... You know, you kind of grow up hoping that you can trust people. Here's here's what I see is that we are seized. And we're in, in I started the, the show right off the bat today saying that I think that we're in worse shape than ever. I also want to, to say that I don't want to leave you with a lack of hope. I want you to know something that that as bad as the enemy tries to get us, when we are wise, when we are gaining knowledge, we are going to be able to stand strong when the time is right. Also, we have God on our side. So God, with one flick of his baby finger, can do all kinds of things to take powers out, all right? 
but we have to do our part and we have to understand when they're trying to present this thing like they're going to actually run Biden again. Biden, who cannot find his way off a stage, okay? And we're to believe that this is the guy they're going to run against Trump because we have to run against Trump, okay? I don't think so. I, I think this is just such a sham. And are the Democrats that stupid? Is it only on Fox that we're seeing the gaffes? Is, is, is it only, you know, is it only Hannity that is showing the nightmare of, of a president that we have? That the whole world, by the way, is watching. You see, nobody wants to be mean to an old man. We, we love our elders and we want to treat them with respect. But when they're in charge of our country and, and they're letting this atrocity happen at the southern border, which is going to affect Canada and is affecting Canada, by the way. Now, why would Biden want to let all of these people in the southern border and not fix it? Have you asked yourself that? I think it's because he knows that he's not going to be able to win without all these people that he's let in. We love Biden. They're all, all screaming. Oh, we love him. They, we can come to America. You know, of course they love him because he's letting them into our country. We have no borders. We have no sovereignty. And it's happening in Canada as well, all kinds of ways. Why do they want that? Because they want these people to be able to vote for them because they're starting to lose the majority of people. We're starting to see that, you know what? It's not really working, this whole mass immigration thing. And I just want to thank, um, I got a couple of articles where uh, Lee Harding and the Western Standard is is writing about some of the, the you know, the, the in interesting guests that we have on. They quoted Maxime Bernier. Um, this is a full-out crisis. I, I like that word, shout. I think we need to be shouting. Um, we don't need to be violent, but let's be shouting. How can this all be happening? How can they be so stupid? They're going to shut down oil and gas. Oil and gas gives us, we can, we can manage it, um, Oil and gas gives us a great life. It powers our cars so we can get around and we can drive for more than four hours till we need, you know, to, to have to get it, you know, recharged somewhere, which Lord only knows where that's going to be. You know, if you want to drive across the country, it's going to be a sheer nightmare. But we have, we have the ways and means with which we can live very, very well. We are living in the, the Truman Show, basically, right? Is that the name of that movie? with uh, Jim Carrey, you know, we should watch that again. Like, how true will it be to, to see the, the big fake, the camera, the lights, everyone doing their roles, say this, say that. Everybody has to, like, line it up, you know, because people don't seem to care about others anymore. There's a lack of empathy. I don't know if they're all bought out. I don't know if they're blackmailed. Something's wrong in the psyche of humanity. There has been a divide that doesn't make sense anymore. When things don't make sense, you have to go, let me find the missing puzzle piece that makes this make sense. And maybe it simply is about pure evil. Maybe it simply is that, that there are people so very, very, very bad that they actually do want the destruction of humanity. Maybe that's it, like Klaus Schwab. Um, the WEF uh, megalomaniac Klaus Schwab talking about having enough predictive data. So why do we need elections anymore? Listen to his words. Listen.
The technology now is, and uh, digital technologies mainly have an analytical power. Now we go into a predictive power, and we have seen the first examples, and your company very much involved into it. But then the next step could be in, to go into a prescriptive uh, mode, which means um, uh, you you do not even have to have elections anymore because you can already uh, predict what uh, predict, and afterwards you can say why do we need elections? Because we know what the result will be. Okay, so I predict Laurel is going to vote for the People's Party of Canada. We don't have to have an election. We've seen her. We already predicted what she's going to vote. We know what what. John Henry over there is, is going to vote for. He's going to vote for the Liberals because he likes handouts and, you know, he, he's a very socialist kind of guy. And, uh, you know, and and we know what, what all of the, uh, you know, the different factions and, you know, that have come to our country, what who they're going to vote. We don't, we don't need to have an election. We'll just predict it. I mean, we can read your thoughts anyways with the chip that we've had implanted in your brain, you know, through Elon Musk. I mean, we don't need elections. We just need to put it all out there. And, you know, there's some people talking about how the Democrats are saying weird stuff. First of all, they're accusing Donald Trump of the kinds of things we've been accusing them of. And that is, uh, you know getting camps together, FEMA camps, and, you know, that Donald Trump is now going to become this dictator, which he never was a dictator. He let all the governors run their their states the way they wanted to. Uh, he, you know, he should have done different things. He should have been more of a dictator. He should have fired Anthony Fauci. We all know that. But I, I, I think that the time is coming when people will not be very safe. I think that he's going to come back with strength and people will not be safe. Let me just clarify what I just said. They will not be safe in their jobs. <laughs> they will be fired. <laughs> just like how we've all not been safe in our jobs for four years while you've, you know, you have pounded down your stupidity on us, Christia Freeland and, and uh, Justin Trudeau. You know, you, you've destroyed Canadian culture. You've destroyed the love of our nation, our sense of peace. Is a lot of people have PTSD. The suicide rate is sky high. Why? Because of you guys. Because you destroyed our peace. You sent the nasty dudes in to deal with truckers that were peaceable and, and had tears in their eyes. Tough truckers fighting for their country. You sent the nasty dudes in for that. But now we got other nasty dudes on the streets saying, I'll put you six feet under. And the cops are just staring at them. Did you see? Like, like deer in headlights. Are we prepared to deal with this kind of hell? Are we? Is Canada prepared to deal with this kind of hell that's coming our way? Because people that are violent and support violent extremists are marching in our streets. Are we able to deal with it? I think, I think there's a scary answer. And by the way, they're probably listening to me. The scary answer is, we're not prepared to call in the, the rough dudes. You know, those guys that just had coldness in their eyes and they had, they had the black suits on and they were prepared for, call them in. Call them in on some of these people that are actually telling the police that they are going to 
kill them. That's what just happened. They told the police, I'll put you six feet under. Oh, I'd like to try that. The next time I'm at a little rally to defend gender uh, appropriation as being male and female, the next time I'm at a rally and a police gives me a hard time because my bullhorn is too loud, I'll just tell, I'll put you six feet under, pal. Oh, I'll tell you what will happen next. Little Laura Lynn will be like upside down and flipped on the ground and I'll be in jail for months, maybe years. Do you think we're prepared for what is being unleashed? I'm a little alarmed and I'm concerned about Canadian kindness and Canadian niceness. And I'm concerned about what our politicians have done to us in the name of multiculturalism, in the name of, we're a great country, we're a peace-loving country, everyone can come here and feel welcome. And by the way, here's a cell phone and, and, and $5,000 so that you'll be comfortable here. While our own, oh, we don't have enough housing. We've allowed the market to, you know, get so large uh, that the young people can't afford to buy anything. Jews are not safe on our streets in Canada. And I'm sorry, what, what did we call an emergency about bouncy castles and truckers who sang the national anthem too much? You're, you're all like out of your ever-loving minds up there at the top of our country. And you're having meetings and you want to be politically correct. And it's happening in front of our eyes. I'm not about to pretend that something bad is not happening. Evil is being emboldened by our kindness and our long suffering, so to speak. Ecclesiastes says there's a time for peace and a time for war. Our prime minister has decided that the time for, for war was against the peaceful people. Blazing idiocy, I have to say. Well, hopefully he's not here long. But of course, if we don't have elections anymore, because he is one of Klaus Schwab's favorites, if we don't have elections anymore, well, they'll just predict who you'll vote for. They'll just assume, of course you want Trudeau in again. Nah, I'm just scaring y'all. It's gonna be Pierre, we know that. Is Pierre going to pull out of the WHO and the UN agenda? Is Pierre Polyev tough enough to deal with what we've got? I ask you that. You can think anything you want. Y'all don't like. we got to get Trudeau out. Okay, we will. Everyone's voting Pierre. And after Pierre's in, we have a new faction going on. We have a new agenda happening, happening in our streets. <clears throat> Is he tough enough to deal with it? Because I know someone who would be tough enough. Maxime Bernier. But don't worry, Pierre's getting in. And it should be better than Trudeau. But all of these things that are going on on our streets right now, is that gonna be happening when Pierre Polyev is in? 
I think we, I think we have a new problem. <sighs> That's why I loved what happened this weekend. I loved what happened this weekend. If you started uh, with me on the start of the show, and I know a lot more of you have joined, we've got a large amount of people watching right now. Uh, but at the start of the show, what we did have <clears throat> was some video of peace on earth. Can we show it again? Are you able to just pull that up just for a second there? <clears throat> what we saw here was Jews and Iranians and Afghanistans all in the same room singing together, singing Farsi, singing the Jewish language. And that is what is beautiful and can maybe save our lives. My website is laurelin.tv. Um, in the next day or so, we're going to go over Dr. Monica Henninger-Erber. Um, she was on an Austrian talk show asking health officials about uh, what they're going to do about this plasmid DNA that is in the vaccines. It's glorious. I got it from senior producer Gary. Um, my website's laurelin.tv, and I just thank you very much for supporting um, for supporting our work, for our stand. I, I seem to enrage people. People are mad at me for my staunch support uh, against terrorism and for Israel, for what happened. I am uh, looking at, watching everything about false flags and about how this happened. I have had concrete information about how it could have happened and that it's not that Israel is culpable in this happening. And I want to warn everybody about taking on conspiracy theories that are easy to just manufacture because we all just want, a, you know, to figure out what's wrong here. We want peace, peace. There's no peace until the bully, Hamas, is destroyed so that they're not going to be planning to do this again. And the problem is if they, if they do it again there, what's happening as there's more and more people of evil persuasion here in our land? So I stand strong. I speak my mind. Thank you for supporting that. If you appreciate what we do, how we talk, what we say, what we're willing and daring enough to say, if you appreciate that, thank you for your help. We're also a, a charitable status. So you are able to, um, to get a, an income tax receipt. And you're able to support the work that we do, which is from a biblical lens on everyday life. You can go to our website, push that donate button. You can donate, um, and it's kind of below there, JT. I don't know if you're really on the right, because I can barely see that, because it's behind. I can't see the donate button. But it's just a small thing. Um, but you can donate anonymously. You can donate monthly, a one-time gift, anything you like, any amount that you like. Also, you can go to my email, laurelinlive at protonmail.com. And you can send an e-transfer. Also, we've got snail mail. And on snail mail, you can help us to do what we do. And as a lover of all people, as someone who has surrounded myself with friends 
from all cultures, religions. I can speak. I am currently speaking with Muslims and, and engaging in conversations about what is going on. I want conversation. I want to, to come to an understanding. I seek that, but I will call a spade a spade. I don't know how we deal with terrorists. And by the way, I think that we're all on the same side. Would you put that music up as we close, JT? Could I close to that in the background maybe a little bit? Would that be all right? <clears throat> Will it work? See if you can. You know, when our guest, Dr. Rima, was talking about the shout, I want to leave you with uh, one story. And this is about, um, basically, it's blind Bartimaeus. And um, in verse 46, <clears throat> So remember, right, can you put it up on the side there, hon? Is that possible? Um, I want to show you this beautiful picture, and this is my this is my piece on earth. Hey, we should do a Christmas theme tomorrow and this week. <laughs> should get into Christmas a little bit. But this beautiful this beautiful scene that you see right here is Jews and Iranians on the same stage singing together. I really like it. I really do. There was a man, blind Bartimaeus, and uh, this, this story is found in Mark 10. And uh, this guy, <clears throat> um, where is the story? Oh, I know. Okay. All right. Okay, here it is. I had to find it in my eyes, okay? So Mark 10, uh, 46. Then they came to Jericho. So Jesus was with his disciples. They were walking around. They'd already had a few good conversations. If you check out Mark 10, uh, some interesting things had already happened. But uh, together with a large crowd, Jesus and the disciples were leaving the city. And a blind man named Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout. Why did blind Bartimaeus begin to shout? Because he couldn't see. And because he had heard that there was this man named Jesus who was healing all these people in Israel, all in the Jerusalem area, people were reporting Blind Bartimaeus was broke as they come. The only thing that he had was he had a little, you know, it says here he kind of basically had a, a, a jacket. And he would hear that people were being healed. And blind Bartimaeus had only one hope, and that was that if that is really Jesus coming through this town, then Jesus is going to heal me. Maybe he will. So, as they were leaving, blind Bartimaeus, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So many of the people re rebuked him. They said, be quiet, blind Bartimaeus. Shh, don't talk. Just because you're blind doesn't mean you can just occupy, you know, all of the space around here. You need to be quiet. There, there's this... Really cool dude coming through our town. 
Why are you shouting? Well, you see, blind Bartimaeus had much less than them. He couldn't see. He couldn't navigate. He'd been blind since birth. And Jesus was his last hope. It was the last hope that somebody would help him to see. Do you know any blind people? Do you know anyone that maybe their very last hope is that they would have an encounter with Jesus? Do you have blind people in your family? Do you think that, that maybe it's just information that's going to help your family to see? Because boy, do we need to see. We need to see right now. We need to see what's happening. We need our families and our loved ones to see what is happening. And some of them have been blind since birth. Well, blind Bartimaeus, he yelled out the name above all names, the name that would change everything, the name that would cause him to be able to see the only name, the only answer that would help him to see. And he said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And they told him even the more, be quiet, be quiet, everybody said. So he shouted all the louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and he said, call him. Would Jesus dare stop in this hour? For all those that are blind and cannot see, would he be the one who stops in the street and says, come on, come closer. What is this man yelling about? What is this man calling my name? And I hear Pastor Julio in the background there. I love that man. And this man, could you put that screen up beside me, JT? I want to show you something. This man is from Iran who is speaking beside my Jewish pastor friend, Pastor Julio. This man beside him is from Iran. And they're talking about healing. And they're talking about the only hope for this world that will help us to see clearly through what's happening because you know they're lying to us. Nothing's real. It's not real, but I'll tell you what is real. This word of God is real, and this Jesus is real. And so Jesus said to him, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up. Get on your feet, everybody said. Cheer up. He's calling you. So do you know what he did? Blind Bartimaeus throwing his cloak aside. He jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. He threw aside his cloak. He let go of his security blanket. He let go of the only thing he owned on this planet. He threw his cloak to the side and he ran to Jesus. Did he maybe didn't know if he's ever going to find his cloak again. And he said, he got to Jesus and Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? I pray Jesus asks us that. What do you want? God, I want you to help us to see. I want you to help us to know what to do, to have discernment. I want you to help us to know what to do at this hour. And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. At this hour, the only thing that will give us hope the only thing that will help us to see is Jesus and our faith in him will bring the healing that we need, the healing for your family, the healing for your loved ones, 
when Jesus asks us, what do you want me to do for you? He's asking you, talk to him, tell him. We want to be able to see. We need to know what to do. God bless everyone. We'll see you tomorrow. You know, it's not easy to deliver the truth of what our sick world is doing, but for some of us, we feel that we have no choice. Because if we are silent about these abominable things, then we are letting evil go unchecked, and we cannot do that. For those of you wonderful people who are writing me and are sharing your encouragement, I am deeply grateful. Thank you for all the letters that you've been sending. Thank you for the donations and the support. I found out that in order to speak the truth, you have to become very, very strong. If you would go to my website at www.lauralyn.tv, you'll find all of the ways that you can contact me. Remember, my friends, all is well. All is well. Thanks for joining me.